the hardiness zones, they're informative for you in terms of making decisions of what perennials to buy. Right. If you're in a zone 5A, then, you know, if you buy something that's hardy to zone 8, it's, you're going to have to buy it every year because mm. it's going to die every winter unless you, you know, do a few things to fool it and to think it's in a warmer zone. Hey there, welcome to episode 30 of the Maritime Gardening Podcast. And Greg, how are things going today? It's a bit snowy for the first day of spring. Yeah, it is. That's, <laughs> when, that's when we're recording episode 30. It's probably not when... Equinox. Yeah, and I didn't even realize it was the first day of spring until I, I read that somewhere. Uh, but yeah, you know, five to eight centimeters of snow uh, when I and heavy snow, that really heavy stuff. I I spent yes. a good hour lugging it off the driveway this morning. So yeah, me too. Yeah. So yeah, happy spring. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that's actually uh, this this what just happened today. This snowstorm we got. We we're here in uh, Nova Scotia uh, is perfectly apropos for the title of today's episode <laughs> perfectly um because we're talking about zone hardiness yeah and uh the, the general issue we're going to deal with is zone. you know what are what are the growing zones what are the planting zones mm-hmm. uh, what does all of that mean and in what ways can that be misleading in terms of um, uh, you know planting dates and mm. uh length of growing season and, and so on yeah, yeah. I've often wondered which plants can actually survive. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you know, the zone hardiness is about uh, two main things, and I'm, I'm going to oversimplify here, but we've got like 15 minutes, so we're, yeah. if you want to inform yourself on it, go on the internet and read all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Google it. I apologize to anyone. Your, your definition wasn't technical enough. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, just the gist here. Right. Just the facts, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really going to determine two things. What plants can survive a winter in your area? Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about perennials here. Yeah. Um, or, I suppose, biennials as, as well. And anything that's going to come back the next year. And also, what plants can grow to maturity in your geographic region? I'm talking about food here, right? This whole mm-hmm. show is about mm-hmm. food gardening. So, it's like, okay, if I... If I get it in the ground when it's warm, will it, you know, bear its fruits, yeah. <laughs> you know, by the time it freezes again, by mm-hmm. the time the frost comes or whatever. Because a lot of the plants we like to grow and eat are tropical yeah. or subtropical. You know, tomato's a tropical plant. So, you know, it's, this is not a tropical place. I'm looking out my window right now. It, it ain't tropical. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> so... Um, and so it's important to know, okay, like, well, when is the winter, how cold does the winter get, and that sort of thing. And that, that's based on um, the um, average annual minimum temperature in an area. So they pick these geographic regions that tend to, you know, I don't know how they determine the, uh, how they delineate them, decide what area defines them. I'm, I'm guessing it's something relative to um, elevation, latitude, and proximity to the coast because those things affect temperatures, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get wind chills and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, they base it on the average minimum, average annual minimum temperature. Mm. Okay. So for any, every year, there's some coldest day, 
Yeah. Right? A certain kind of plant, like, it can survive minus 20. You can take it every day, but it yeah. can't survive minus 22. Yeah. One day of that, done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Let's see. And it just so just every year more data gets added to that database mm. uh, and so on. And it's interesting to note, too, that they've all changed over the last, you know, uh, since the 60s. Like, if you knew, let's say you were very old and you knew what your zone was in the 60s, well, whatever it was, it's probably, like, if you were in zone 5 in the 60s, it's probably now zone 6. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, so, there's uh, no such thing as global warming, Greg. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Knock it off. No, it's just magic making yes. my watermelons bigger and my tomatoes redder. Yes. Uh, so, um, Nova Scotia, for instance, because we're in Nova Scotia, it, it actually it's a very unique place because we're, we're kind of a peninsula that juts out into the Gulf Stream. Right. And it's got the Bay of Fundy, and it's got the Northumberland Strait, and then it's got that Atlantic side where I am, which is like the worst part to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it ranges from 5A to 6B. Um, so, you know, if I look at, um, should, before I do that, I should say that there's a, a wonderful, to get a nice map of the plant hardiness zones in Canada, sorry, uh, Americans and people in Europe, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to speak to what I know here, and I'm in yeah. Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, you can go to www.planthardiness.gc.ca. It's a government website. Uh, we'll put a link on in the show notes and in the description. Um, but so it's got a nice uh, little map there. And if I look at the one for Nova Scotia, it, it ranges. So Nova Scotia is very unique like that. It's a tiny place. It's mm -hmm. not a big province, right? Mm -hmm. But it ranges from 5A to 6B, which wow. is, you know, pretty unique. So 6B would be down in the, the southwest, yeah. you know, Yarmouth and that sort of bottom part. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, 5A would be, uh, uh, you know, brown, uh, you know amherst and uh, yes. cape breton or whatever right um but there's we're going to talk more about this in a bit but even that is unreliable well right. you know in, in, in a bit mm -hmm. um but if we look at so those zones and, and you know a good deal of canada um and when i say canada i'm speaking to where the majority of people live in Canada. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you look at Canada, there's this thin ribbon along the border of the United States that uh, is uh, orange and yellow. The map has all these different colors that determine or, or uh, identify the zones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you get more and more yellow, it's getting into the fives, and then orange is, is the sixes, and then, uh, you know, orange-red is, is the sevens, and red is seven, and you know, pink and purple or eight and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So getting towards that, that color of the spectrum, um, you're getting more and more warm. And the parts of Canada where people live, where the population is clustered, right, mm -hmm. which is basically along the border of the states. Right. That's the part of Canada where, you know, we're sort of 5A and warmer, uh, with the exception of BC, which, I mean, Victoria looks like it's on fire because yeah. the hot zones are uh, it's just bathed in the heat and yeah. the Pacific Ocean sort of thing. Yeah. It just looks like a different country, pretty much, um, on, on the western coast there. That's uh, probably why they don't really have much of a winter. Um, but, but, but anyway, uh, looking at a place like Nova Scotia, it's so unique because it's got this huge range of temperatures. Uh, and it's such a small, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, you can drive across the province in five hours and you can... Um, you can drive from the north side to the <laughs> south side in about an hour, right? Um, but you can experience a lot of ranges there. 
Um, anyway, so if we look at those zones, and a lot of places in Canada have their sort of zone 5A, 5B, 6A, 6B, um, some of the colder provinces, uh, population centers like maybe uh, uh, like Winnipeg, Manitoba, or Edmonton, Alberta, they're getting into the fours and threes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's a bit a much more cold, intense winter sort of thing. Uh, but because they're further north, they have those insane days where there's like sunlight for 22 hours a day. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. So that changes things. Um, but if you look at just the, the zones between, so zone 5A, 5B, 6A, 6B. So zone 5A, um, the coldest it can get is between negative 30 and negative uh, 26 degrees Celsius, which is negative uh, 20, negative 15, respectively, in Fahrenheit. Uh, whereas 6B goes from negative 21 to uh, negative 18 degrees yeah. Celsius. So that's between 0 Fahrenheit and negative 5 uh, Fahrenheit. Um, so that's a lot of, uh, a fair amount of range within a small area like, like a small uh, geographic area like this. But it's because it's so coastal and it also has uh, a, a very, a lot of ranges in elevation for a small area. Right, we've got like how many ski slopes in the province? Yeah, like four. Yeah, or something yeah. Like that. Um, and we've got lots of swamps. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a place. It's a mountainous place. It's got plains. It's got valleys, and it's got that whole unique mm. um, you know, uh, Annapolis Valley area where mm. I used to live, which is just way better than where I'm living now. And from from a growing point of view, um, it's just so much more. It's protected. It's buffeted from yeah. well, the North Atlantic. Um, but anyway, the the thing about so I mean you you look at that chart and it'll give you a, a sense of where you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, but even then, you know, you got to um, it can be misleading. According to that table, I'm in zone six six A or six B. Yeah. Um, and I would say if I if I go to downtown Halifax, that's six A or six B. Um, but I mean, during the summer, I'm, I'm in people's gardens in, in, in the city. I'm over, I'm over twenty. I'm twenty minutes from Halifax, and I'm much closer. I'm not I'm not in the Halifax is really kind of like a valley if you mm. think about it. Um, and mm. the harbor's the lowest point in that yeah. valley. Yeah. Um, and the harbor's protected. That's why you know they brought sailing ships in there so they wouldn't get smashed to pieces on the rocks. Right. That's it's right. protected. Yeah. Protected uh, harbor, and it's a valley, and it's it's you know so that's six A or maybe a 6B on a particular year. Mm -hmm. uh, but where I am, I'm, I'm 230 feet above sea level. I'm about six kilometers from the Atlantic coast. Mm -hmm. Like the raw... The coastline. You, if you can go down to the coast in a, uh, on a hot summer day, when in my backyard, it's, it's almost unbearable. Mm. And you go down there and you need a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold, yeah. right? If you, yeah. go, if you go down there mackerel fishing or something like yeah. that, i got to bring it coat or something like that because yeah, the yeah. wind is just <laughs> oh, man, you know um so it's it's you know it's you gotta bear that in mind so you know i, I determine my planting dates and all that sort of stuff um when i think about where i live i consider myself to be in zone 5a mm -hmm. even though you know according to any chart or map it says i'm in 6a okay right? but i've been here long enough to know that none of the suggestions for what to do for zone 6a fits with the date of the year right. in my backyard. This right. does not. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, part of the thing about this episode is that you, uh, you know, you got to bear that in mind. Yeah. Right. 
and you know I'm at an elevation here where I get um, it, the, the, I have a unique microclimate because I'm sort of on the on a on a crest. It's the highest point, one of the higher points on the street. It's not protected in any way. There's no protection from the wind here. So in the winter, it gets really cold and the soil freezes. Mm -hmm. And I'll notice, like, I'll just drive five minutes from my house and people's tulips and, and uh, all those, you know, early plants, uh, they're all up and mine aren't. Mm -hmm. And the ground's still frozen. I'll be talking to a neighbor and I notice their flower garden is thawed and mine's still frozen. Yeah. Well, that's all stuff you have to be aware of, and you just mm. have to get to know your area and adjust your <clears throat> expectation and your schedule accordingly. Yeah, that's not all there is to it because you know uh, the hardiness zones. They're informative for you in terms of making decisions of what perennials to buy. Right. If you're in a zone five A, then you know if you buy something that's hardy to zone eight. It's, you're going to have to buy it every year because mm. it's going to die every winter unless you, you know, do a few things to fool it and to think it's in a warmer zone. Right. Talk about that towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's good for that. But mm -hmm. where it's not good for is that they don't account for summer heat levels. Mm. So, so for instance, like Halifax and Toronto are both zone six A. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you're in Halifax in the middle late July, right? Um, you know, you can you can sit on someone's back deck and have a few beers, and you know, if you're in, outside in late July in Toronto, it's hot. Yeah, it, I, mean, I was just there last year. It was unbelievably hot. I couldn't believe <laughs> how hot it was. We were in some lineup in downtown Toronto. I did. I told my wife I had to go. I snuck into a store somewhere and pretended to be shopping because I <laughs> collapsed from the heat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it is hot there. Yeah, really, we got that really. nice sea breeze here that you that we take for granted. Yeah, it just regulates things, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, it's well, not it's as pretty, a, and it's pretty similar inland in New Brunswick as well, like Fredericton. Well, Fredericton yeah. man is hot. Yeah, yeah. It hot in the summer. Of, uh, Southern Ontario. Yeah, uh, summer. Yeah. So. You know, the, the hardiness zones, they don't give you anything, any information with regard to that. Mm. Right? That's just something you have to be aware of and understand. So, I mean, in Toronto, you can grow watermelons and you know, things like that. You, it's a better place for growing corns, a better, yeah. better for things like that because it just gets so much hotter. Even the contrast between where I live in the valley, for instance, I used to grow corn in my backyard when I was in the valley. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I have a, I've only had one year where I grew corn well here, and every other year it's been kind of pathetic and stunted because um, yeah. it's just so much colder. Here. And then that year was it was an incredible year. Um, yeah. every, that was uh, I think it was the summer of 2013. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the summer of 2014. Um, but uh, you know, I had my whole garden was a month ahead of where it typically is at any given point in time. Oh wow. So we had a, just a, a great year. But normally, and I thought that was like, hey, because <laughs> I just moved here, right? So yeah, I think yeah. everything's going to be like this from now. Right. But that's like that sense. It's been like, you know, um, so I've had to adjust my expectations. But that's the catch with, you know, the zone. So you got to just learn to, you know, like uh, the dirty Harry quote, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm starting. There's a lot of things I used to like to grow, and now I got to find varieties that just uh, grow faster. Yeah. Uh, or um, plant things that, 
Um, I just have to, I have to plant different things. And, you know, I used to love to grow these big high beans and stuff like that. And now I'm finding I'm using a lot more bush varieties because, you know, it's it's just a different uh, different right. game here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, what was the last thing we were talking about? How to extend your season? So, right. I mean, there's tricks you can do. I don't tend to do a lot of them because I like things to be really simple. Um, I grow a lot more root vegetables because they do good in cold regions and you can store them in the garage and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you want to have an extra month of kale or an extra month of, you know, Swiss chard or spinach or whatever, right? If you want to extend your season, mm-hmm. options like cold frames and hoop houses and greenhouses, uh, those are options and they can work. And the, the rule of thumb is every layer of protection will buy you another zone. So yeah. if I if I build a cold frame... Um, it would turn my zone 5A into zone 6A. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. if I built a, if I, let's say I put a hoop house over the cold frame, and then it would turn my artificial zone 6A into zone 7A. Mm-hmm. And if I put like a greenhouse over that, you've <laughs> <laughs> got like these air spaces in between these layers okay. of plastic, glass or whatever, right? And I mean adding uh, insulation and, you know, everything you can do to insulate and capture the sun's heat and that sort right. of stuff. Right. Um, so you can you can you can conceivably get to uh, a state where you have uh, uh, things growing in the winter, yeah. um, but you're going to have to you just want just one layer of plastic isn't going to get you there. You're going to have to yeah. get more elaborate uh, and that sort of thing. So that's all depends on how much money you want layered for that sure. sort of thing and how, how creative you are with your designs um, and how much of that you mm. want in your garden. Now, I sort of like things being sort of open, and I don't like having too much. Um, plastic and equipment and monstrosities in my garden although right. I, I i do desire what they offer in, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in terms of productivity right um but you know anyway it's probably another topic sure. uh, another episode okay. um, so that's one thing um, now about survivability let's say like i've got rosemary growing in the garden next to my house here mm-hmm. and uh, it's a zone eight the variety of i bought which is just what was at the store the day i bought it yeah um i didn't realize till after i got home and planted it when i was like ripping the tag off so, like <laughs> oh, zone eight why are they even selling that here yeah gonna, like i wanted to buy i want to buy this once and never buy it again right um, so what i do with stuff like that where i, I think i can probably you know it is to insulate okay right so what i do with the rosemary is i just fill a bag up with hay and leaves and things like that so something insulative and just throw a bag of that you could even throw a bale of hay but anyway just throw a big pile of stuff on top of it you know in around mm-hmm. november mm-hmm. and just leave it like that and you know you, you pull that off in in april mm-hmm. right um and, and you never know what's going to happen you got to be uh, aware of microclimates like there's this yeah. wonderful variety of um, uh, sort of fake coriander that i like called vietnamese coriander and there's a lady downtown, I work on her garden, and I put some in for her um, two years ago. And this year when I was in her garden in the spring, um, just just getting everything ready, I noticed it was growing. Hmm. And it's a zone 11. You mean, uh, you mean, you mean it was still winter time? No, it was like, uh, let's say May. It was like oh, May. last May, last so May. So I, I okay. came back the following year in May, yeah. Yeah. and it was growing out of the ground. Uh-huh. And I mean, this is a zone 11 plant. So zone 11, the coldest it gets is like um, four degrees Celsius. That's like wow. the f- coldest day of the year mm. ever, you know, is four degrees Celsius. Mm. So, I mean, 
this was a garden where, you know, it, it took a Canadian winter in Halifax. It was definitely colder than four degrees Celsius there. Yeah. But because it's on a, it's on a side of a house facing south, it must be just unique. Yeah. You know, probably doesn't get a lot of wind, and the sun reflects off. Maybe the I remember when I when I built the garden for her, I I got her to let me paint the foundation of the house black so it would capture heat. Right. Mm, so whatever we did there and the wood chips and all that other magical uh-huh. stuff, you created them for whatever reason. The soil where that plant's roots are didn't get below that temperature because it was still growing. Now, mm. I planted the same thing in my garden the year before. That was back then, mm. and it, it died. Mm. <laughs> it did not make it. Now, last year, I, I had one in my herb garden, and I covered it with a big bag of hay, so we'll see. I, I know yeah. I can get a zone 8 plant to take my zone 5A conditions yeah. uh, and, and, and come back the next year. Mm. Can I get a zone 11 plant? Mm. <laughs> Maybe and maybe I should have put two bags of hay on top or something like that. Mm. Uh, but uh, and it's also useful, you know, if you if you have a bag of hay or some old uh, onion bag like that, fill it full of like hay and maybe yeah. manure or something like that. So every time mm-hmm. it rains, it's going to leach, uh, you know, nutrients into the soil. So you're sort of doing two things at once, making it easier on yourself, right? Nice. You're fertilizing and you're you're saving. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm, I'm trying to save myself two ninety nine. <laughs> 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 Not everybody's interested in doing no, that. But I mean, I spent one minute filling a bag full of stuff, and I threw it on there. So it's yeah, money you know, well spent. You make two ninety nine a minute. You're doing good. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> actually true. That's actually true. If you could just do that every minute of the day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Cool. So, so yeah, just some just some thoughts on hardiness zones, mm-hmm. and you know, so you, you know, you look at the map, and it says you're this. Um, yeah. You may be able to do all the things a chart or table says you can do mm-hmm. in that zone, mm-hmm. but you may not. Yeah. And because you can't do those things in the zone, it doesn't mean your soil doesn't necessarily mean your soil's no good, yeah. or you don't know what you're doing, or yeah. the seeds weren't viable. I have had seasons where I've planted my squash, and squash is a very tender plant; it's a heat-loving plant. I've had seasons where I planted my squash, and the seeds have rotted and died. And I planted it when the charts and tables said I should for this zone. And then I planted them again, and they rotted and died. And then I planted them again. And it wasn't until the solstice, you know, like wow. July, you know, middle late June, it um, wasn't until the summer solstice that I had a seed germinate in the soil. Huh. I could have given up because uh, you know, I planted it, you know, the chart, the table said to plant three weeks ahead of that. Yeah. And it kept dying and dying and dying. So I could have thought, well, these seeds must be no good, or maybe I don't know what I'm doing, or mm. maybe there's some virus in my soil. Or, you know, no, it's yeah. nothing like that. It's just where I am in this place, the soil was not warm enough for germinating that seed. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, worth, uh, you know, there's lots of things to consider when you're learning to grow plants and your your hardiness zone and the unique growing conditions that are. Uh, where you are, uh, very important. That's why in the last episode we were talking about, you know, being aware of all these different uh, indications, you know, these different uh, uh, what blooms uh, in your area and that sort of thing. Mm, cool. So, and, and further to that, um, something we were talking about last week, which is connected to what we're talking about this week, I'm doing a little bit of series on, you know, what to plant and when to plant and how to know when to do that. That's why we're talking about zones today. Um Last last episode, I was talking about um, 
you know, looking for indications in your microclimate, you know, when what's blooming, what's growing, what's happening at various times of the year, and timing your plantings relative to that. Mm -hmm. I gave the example of the spring peepers, and uh, I don't know if it was last last episode or one before that. Mm. Anyway, um, one of the listeners wrote in and gave me a list of things that uh, I don't think I'd heard of any of these. Mm. Um, so um, the advice was that you uh, you plant corn and beans when apple blossoms begin to fade. Mm-hmm. So you got you to have an apple tree. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think that would depend on the variety of apple yeah. as well. But but still, I'm going to be watching my apple trees this year. Mm. Um, and see when I think I should plant my beans because, uh, you know, big fan of beans. Um, plant tomatoes, early corn, and peppers when dogwoods are in peak bloom. I don't think I have any of those in my backyard. Yeah. But still, it's just one thing to add to your list of, you know, mm-hmm. things to look for. Uh, plant cucumbers and squash when lilac flowers fade. Yeah. I don't have any, but maybe one of my neighbors does. Um, that's a good one because it's, that's like, as the example I was just giving before, it's, you know, you don't want to waste, you want to plant them when it's the right time. They're very sensitive to cold soil. Um, start succession planting of beets and carrots when dandelions are blooming. That's a good one. Everyone's got those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tend to plant my carrots right, you know, really the first thing, one of the first things I plant. Yeah. Um, and uh, plant peas when forsythia blooms. I huh. used to have that in my last property. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good one to know. Well, yeah, that was from... Uh, Sue Gilmore. So thanks, yeah. Sue, for, thanks for, that. for that comment and the advice. And thanks for the database of natural indicators of planting times. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. like to build like a huge chart, that, you know, like everything in charts and tables. I'd love to build a huge table yeah. of all of those planting times and all those different yeah, that sort would of be good. traditional uh, indicators of mm. what to do and when to do it. Yeah, that'd be great. that would be great. Very good. All right. So that does wrap up this being episode 30, which you can find the show notes for at maritimegardening.com slash 030. And I just want to take a minute and thank everybody for listening and just put a little request out that if you do enjoy the show, and I'm assuming uh, if you're tuning in to multiple episodes or maybe you've listened to them all, that perhaps you do, um, it would really help the show out if you would take a minute and give us uh, a positive rating on iTunes if you if you can do that for us. Um, another thing is make sure that you subscribe to our email newsletter. And you can do that just by going to maritimegardening.com. And eventually when you're looking around the site, uh, a little pop-up box will come up. Or on the right-hand side, you can just put your email address in there. And you'll get on our email newsletter. That pretty well does it for this one. Thanks again for listening. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on episode 31. Take care. Bye-bye.